Alright, what's going on everybody and welcome back to the Ridge Raised Outdoors podcast. This is episode number 17 and I give my brother Freedom a call, um, my brother Colin, and uh, we get into some some Texas bow hunting and uh, he, he ended up killing a pretty good buck down there this year during November and then uh, we talk about the trip that I took down there and my success that I had shooting a, a real cool buck down there as well um, on my last morning, so pretty cool discussion we had but on every episode I always uh, start out with the verse so this this week I picked Matthew 6 33 it says but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you um, so you know I really think I, I had to take a step back again this year and you know just put God first and everything else kind of just came together and uh, you know it that's why I picked that verse because, you know, I, you put God first and, and things just work out. That's kind of how it works. And I put my family right right below God and, um, you know, the, the rest of it is history. But, you know, the, the success that I had this year um, speaks for itself. Um, so, you know, I wanted to touch on that. But, yeah, me and Colin have a, have a pretty good discussion. You know, we talked some gear that we uh, – new gear that we got um, – our bow setups, um, you know, just the stories that we had this year, what we learned, you know, it was, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good episode. I think you guys will enjoy it, but, um, I've got out scouting a few times after wrestling season was over. It was, you know, it was time to get out. And even though we haven't had the best weather, it just snowed again today. Um, when I'm recording this and, uh, I ended up pulling like 17 ticks off me. I went out and scouted for turkeys in the morning and uh, pulled a bunch of ticks off me. So I had to spray down with permethrin and uh, ended up going back out and scouting for deer later in the day. And that permethrin stuff works. So that's that's something I also wanted to bring up before we get into this episode is make sure you guys are spraying down. I buy that Sawyer's permethrin. You can get it from Walmart or anywhere. That stuff works. Um I uh, had had Lyme disease last year during the spring into the summer, and it's not fun. So, uh, you know, be careful with that stuff. The ticks are going to be pretty bad this year with how the winter was and and whatnot. It, it did get cold this year, but with all that snow we got, I think those ticks just barrel underneath the snow and to stay warm, and then they're able to, to live and stuff like that. So I also wanted to point that out. But, yeah, I think you guys will enjoy this episode. So, uh yeah, let's get right into it. All right, guys. So I got Freedom on the line, my brother Colin. And uh, so for the intro, I was updating them on you coming home, getting out of the military and stuff like that. How's that process been? I, I, I know I went through it and it was kind of a hassle, but you got everything uh, boxed up and packed and you're ready to come home next week. How's that process going? Yeah, um, just had the movers come today, actually, uh, loaded up all the boxes, and it's really nice to transition out of the military. Is, um, all the paperwork and stuff can take a while, but uh, the moving, they make it pretty easy. They There's like a third-party uh, mover who will come here and pack up everything for you and then uh, send it to wherever you're going, so it's obviously no charge to me at all, so it's really nice. So everything's been going pretty good. We're leaving here next Wednesday, uh, the 30th. We'll be back home by about the 1st of April, just in time for 
turkey season coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, that's what we got our minds on right now. Um, I was telling some people at work, like my boss and stuff, and uh, I was telling them how they crated up all your mounts and things like that. I'm like, I didn't get that when I was in, in California, but those movers must know what they're doing. They boxed all your they boxed your full-body turkey mount and your two uh, big buck shoulder mounts up, and those should be good to go. You don't have to worry about them bouncing around and getting all messed up. So. Oh yeah, they were awesome. They they came here, measured. I had three uh, shoulder mounts and the one turkey mount, and they oh, yeah, measured them here at the house, and then uh, went out in the driveway and built the crates right there and loaded them up in there. They're good to go. That that was pretty much the main thing I was worried about with the move was my turkey fan, you know, getting crushed or the deer getting dinged up and stuff. But now they're they're pretty good, so we're looking forward to moving back. I've been here six years, so it's about time. So, yeah, man, six years. I did the same. Six years in the military is a long time. It's a it's a good transition, though. You'll, uh, you know, you'll enjoy coming back home and kind of having, uh, you know, freedom. So, right, being closer to family and obviously being able to enjoy Pennsylvania and the outdoors. It's kind of hard to do that around here. I know we've talked about it before, but majority of texas is private property so you're kind of limited uh on your opportunities here unless you know you make some good friends or you find some good permission properties but people aren't you know as willing to give up their property you know here as they are back in pennsylvania i know you have quite a bit of properties up in the meadville area that that you hunt on but down here i was only get able to get one or two so it made it kind of difficult so definitely ready to be back oh yeah we got all that public land to hunt we you know grew up in warren have all that in Allegheny national forest we're gonna try to pound the next couple of years with turkey and things like that but uh right texas is cool man i i think we definitely have a home there we're gonna hopefully be going back you know hopefully oh, yeah. like we'll, every we'll year definitely be back quite a bit at least for the at least for the archery hunting and stuff like that you got some friends down Whoa. there so We'll be back, and, and it helps we get free hunting license. Disabled veterans yeah. in the state of Texas get a free hunting license. So, I mean, you can't pass that opportunity up. Right. And I, I do have, like I said, uh, I still have friends here and places we can stay, and then I do have a few permission spots that I got that, you know, I'll always have. So Definitely. we'll be back for sure. Oh, yeah, it's a blast down there. So, um. So yeah, you're really gonna be living an hour from us, um, hour a little over an hour from us. So that'll be uh, that'll be kind of nice, and then um, be able to still go hunt and warn and, and things like that. But um, yeah, let's get into it. This is what we're here for. We're here to talk about our season and how Texas went, and we'll pretty much start off with uh, how your season went down in Texas and the big buck you shot down there and how that story went and kind of how everything came together and then we'll talk about my uh my trip down there and how i was successful on killing something so first i want to start out with kind of how your your scouting and your summer went down there i know you're you're able to find a lot of sheds down there because it's not like pa where everybody and their brother's out finding sheds but um i can't remember if you had that buck I know you had him on camera, but I don't know. Probably didn't find his sheds. 
I don't know if you ever found his one of his his sheds, but um, talk no, about no, talk about so. like what your plan was with scouting and kind of how it went from there, and then um, we'll we'll get into the story. You know, so going back on the if I had him on camera or find the sheds, I I never found that deer sheds. I actually didn't have him on camera until oh, I'd have to go back and do some research, but I believe it was like it was just like two or three days before the day that I actually shot him, it was the first time he ever showed up on camera. Um, just the one and only time. And that's how, that's how I gave him his name. No show. Cause he hadn't showed up on camera all year. I knew he was living there because that, the uh, permission property that I got, uh, it's not a huge property, but, um, unless he came over from a neighboring one, I knew he was living around the area somewhere cause it, it wasn't in the rut yet. So it's not like, you know, the deer was, you know, came down from a, property a couple miles down the road or anything uh but there there was a lot of good deer in that area that year uh I, let me just i guess i'll start back to where or when where and when i got permission um i went over the summer i believe like august august or beginning of september uh i went out and knocked on the guy's door and like i said earlier it's kind of difficult to find properties around here people aren't as willing to allow people access i don't know if it's if it's like a safety thing you know they don't or they don't trust you out there i don't know what it is but there is some people surprisingly out here who are against hunting as well but i i got lucky and i uh, was able to find someone willing you know to, to allow me to have access to his property uh first time i talked to him he told me no uh he said well let me think about it uh but more than likely no so I gave him a couple of weeks and I went back and knocked on his door again. And he came out and I was like, do you remember me? You know, I came here a few weeks ago. I just figured I'd follow up and see if you change your mind at all. And he ended up saying yes and giving me permission. And, and actually we made a pretty good relationship over the hunting season. Cause every time I would go hunt there, uh, I would stop in and talk to him and stuff after and let him know how the hunt went and everything. And you ended up meeting him as well. So really nice guy. Oh yeah, super so very, nice guy. Very thankful. Yeah. Yeah, I think the funny thing about it is, which you didn't touch on, but <clears throat> didn't you the second time or the first time you went there, didn't he say, Here's my number, call me? And then when you went back and asked him, he's like, Well, why didn't you call me? And you were like, Well, I wanted to come. But the thing about that is sometimes like it's easier to say no on the phone, so that's probably why he wanted to wanted you to call right. him. But you went back in there face to face, you know kind of did the respect thing and, and knocked on his door and and asked him yeah and then, i, I then think that was probably key right there because well yeah he did he did tell me to uh call him and he'd think about it but i knew it's pretty easy to say no over the phone rather than to somebody's face so uh i waited a couple of weeks and went back and yeah he ended up saying what well, didn't i ask you to call me and he said yeah well you know i figured i i was in the area i just come by and ask you so, but yeah, he, he said yes, and now we have a pretty good relationship. I he, he'll call me and stuff if he needs anything, um, and it seems like he's gonna allow me to hunt there for years to come. So, I'm very fortunate there. And then he he welcomed you onto the property as well, and then uh, he welcomed Lexi on there as well to shoot a buck too. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's that was in the, towards the end of summer, and then once I got. Uh, permission on there then I started scouting pretty hard I put a few cameras out and I I bought a Maltry uh cell cam 
this year that are on there, and a couple of spy points sell cans as well, which for uh, the price of the spy points, they actually performed pretty well, in my opinion. Uh, I think they, I got them for a twin pack. So it was two of them for like 149 at Academy down here. Yeah. And I have had no problems with them all year. And I ran those cameras the whole summer and all through pretty much January till the season was over. Which is surprising because I've heard a lot of a lot of people had problems with their with their spy points, but um, sometimes you just get a good batch of them, and if you use them the right way, and um, you know you get good service, they work right. But you did, you, I know you you did have uh, a trail camera stolen, didn't you? Wasn't it your Tacticam, or it was one of your yeah, big cameras? Wasn't it? Yeah. I had one <laughs> stolen. Um, someone was apparently trespassing on that property, and. Because I obviously it wasn't the guy who I got permission from, but someone must have been trespassing from a neighboring property on there and, and ended up stealing my Tacticam, which was, in my opinion, my best camera. I know those are pretty popular camera on the market right now. Everyone seems like they're grabbing one of those. Yeah, I have a couple of them. They're pretty good, but um. Yeah, yeah. So so, but I I ran those spy points and that that Maltra camera and I had a few just SD card cameras as well and I I had some good bucks on camera all year found found a couple really good sheds in there um but that buck that ended up shooting I did not have camera or I did not have on camera until just a few days before I shot him so he, he was I, I believe there's there was a possibility that I had seen him one time uh during the season I was hunting out of a ground blind and I saw two bucks uh that came into about 60 yards and then kind of hooked to my right uh, i wasn't able to get a really good look at him but the one of them looked like it could have been him but other than that that's really the only time i saw him was just that once on camera and the day i harvested him well yeah so kind of kind of talk about how that property lays out um i know it's not that many acres but we killed three bucks on it i i ended up shooting that that buck this year down that six point and then Lexi shot her big eight point and then you ended up shooting that big one but um it's just like a, it's such a perfect like funnel pinch point in that one area but then the rest of it is just there's bedding and there's food there's a creek that runs right through it I mean it's just like a beautiful little little piece of property yeah I think I touched in the last podcast we did about finding uh, little creek beds or streams around here and if you can find one of those, it's more than likely going to be a really prime area for not just bucks, but for turkeys too. Uh, I found really anywhere where there's a stream that actually holds water uh, almost all year round, there's always a lot of deer in there, and there's probably going to be some turkeys if there's some some trees along that creek to roost in, because they don't get big trees around here unless there's obviously if they're out of water and around those creek beds. Um, I think that's where it holds a lot of the deer and the turkeys. But yeah, that 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 property is set up just perfect. Like there's there's food, there's that creek that runs through there. We were sitting what like literally right above the creek. I don't know if you could see it in your video, but we were uh, practically like hanging hanging over the creek, which was pretty cool. Well, I talked we about it. In, that, yeah, go ahead. I said I talked about it in my kill video where I. Uh, I got out of the stand and I said, you know, we had a, we basically park up on top and we come down 
and then we cross a creek and that's our access we literally walk right up climb right up in the stand right there and you know if we had the right wind which we we did but we didn't really have the right weather when i was down there but we still right. were able to access that which the creek creek bed in that uh spot is prime because you can access a lot of those stands from that creek bed like the other stands we access were on the other side of the creek as well and we were able to walk up the creek and then you know walk maybe like 100 yards from the creek and access the one stand as as well and then you shot exactly. your buck you shot your buck what 20 yards not even 20 yards from the creek bed like 10 yards well yeah i mean you shot yours we were hanging pretty much right on the creek bed the, yeah. the roots of the tree were digging into the the water there uh but then if you if you went another 20 yards up the creek bed uh, to the east yeah that's where i was hanging when i shot that buck um, but if like i said if you can find water around here obviously that's it seems like that's what i've been able to realize it's been really key trouble i've been struggling to find turkeys around here and and the places that I've been able to find turkeys were right on the water. They they seem like they would roost right above it. Right. Which I know is a common thing back home as well. But oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's really just... key here because there's no, you know, especially how hot it gets in the summer and everything. They need quite a bit of water. But that, that property is just set up perfect. It has there's a lot of thick cedars that they bed in that I, I don't know if we got a chance to walk through there when you were here, but like those cedars are so thick that I mean, the, and the branches hang, hang over just like almost like an evergreen tree back home. You yeah. know, like we're used to. It just provides really good sun cover and obviously good protection from predators and everything. And there's there's food in there for them. They could hang out in there all day long, you know, and not yeah. not need to come out, especially if there's water in there. And the awesome thing about that property is the bedding is all on the the opposite side of where we access, where we can access right. from his, from his, you know, from his gate part. So, right. Um. So, kind of talk about your hunt. I know that's where your buck came from. Was back in those cedars, and he came out, and he came out into that opening where you got a shot at him. So, talk about the sequence of events that happened with that, and uh, you know, the weather and what wind you had and whatnot, but. I'll talk about yeah, so, the whole sequence of events so, with that. So um, I had I had to work that morning. Um, I work at I had to be at work at four, and then I was off by like one o'clock. So I was able, and then at that time of the year, it didn't get dark until I think probably like like pretty late, like eight o'clock or so. It was kind of towards I think it was like the beginning of November, um, so it was still getting dark a little later down here. Um, so I had some time, so I checked the the wind, and I saw it was going to be a, an east-northeast wind that, that evening. And from what I've realized over the last couple of years down here, east-northeast east, winds are always my favorite. I've killed that, that buck I killed last year um, with my buddy Nick. We were hunting him on an east wind. I killed him, killed him on an east wind as well. So I saw I had an east wind, which we don't get very often down here. I think that's why it makes them so good because, you know, we get a lot of southwest or northeast or, uh, excuse me, northwest or southeast winds. But whenever I saw that east wind, I knew I had to be out there. Uh, the temperature was still a little warm. I think it was probably in the 60s or so, maybe maybe 70s, low 70s, which isn't 
horrible for that time of year. As you know, coming down the past two years, it stays pretty warm, like, throughout the year, unfortunately, until, you know, usually about December or January, it'll start to cool down a little more. But it wasn't a horrible temperature day there, and I had a good wind, so um, I decided to get in there. I, I waited a little bit longer than norm. I think I had some stuff to do after work, but by the time I got in there, it wasn't until like, I want to say like four o'clock, four thirty maybe. And of course, I'm pulling down, you know, the guy's back. There's a road that goes back in behind his property, and I'm pulling down in there about to where I was going to get to park. And I get out of my car or my truck, and I look up, and I can see because my stand's only probably, I don't know, maybe two hundred yards from where we actually park, and walk down in there across a creek and there's a kind of an opening down there where I had my standovers like a little gas line that runs down there and I look up and I could just faintly see my stand like the tree that my uh, stand was in and I look down because I'm sitting my stands right over a gas line and I look down and it couldn't have been more than 15 yards right in front of my stand <laughs> I just seen rack and he was walking like walking towards the east uh to the left of the stand perfect shot he was right out in the gas line must have been out there i don't know if he's out there with a doe or if he's out there feeding uh, but I, I never was able to know exactly what buck that was to this day I don't know if that was the buck that i shot or if it was a completely different one but i'm sitting there at my truck like you know beating myself up about it because i decided to get in there a little later and i knew if i had been in there you know even 20 minutes sooner i probably could have killed that buck but you know as you know everything happens for a reason and you know i'm a firm believer in that so i was sitting in there you know all upset i think i, I think i might have even called you and i was like yeah, you know, yeah i remember mad, you, like Dang. yeah you called me i remember you calling me i was like i don't even know if i should just go out now because i'm probably just gonna spook that deer and you know i just i sat in there contemplating it a little for a little bit and then finally i was you know what i'm just gonna get out and just go sit for the last couple hours. So I get out and cross the creek and get up in the stand. And that was actually my first sit in that stand. I had hung it uh, like a week or a couple weeks prior to that because I was seeing a lot of deer um, filter out to that little gas line um, from the from another location that I was sitting, which was about 75 yards from there. I was sit up there earlier in the season, and I could see a bunch of deer that were always uh, – it seemed like they were filtered up on this one trail. So I moved the stand over there, and that was my first sit in it. And I cr- climbed up in there, and it's it was pretty warm. I was, like, sweating a little bit, like, all all mad that I just, you know, missed my opportunity at that deer because it, it was a good buck. Which, whichever buck it was, it, all I could see was racked, and it was a good deer. But I'm sitting there. I had the camera set up and everything. I had perfect east-northeast wind, which is blowing to my left, Um like right along the creek. So pretty much it was like bulletproof at that point, unless he would have came right up the creek then to my left. And that would have been the only way. And it was so thick over there that I I wasn't foreseeing a deer coming from that way. So um, I'm set up and I had my camera like down to my right and my bow was below it. I didn't have a very good, like I probably should have thought that one out a little better. But um, first deer I seen I, I look up, and I just seen some movement coming from the cedars. So it's like a little 
you can see in the video, it's a little gas line in front of me, and then behind it, it's just a thick, like, I don't know, probably like five, six acre patch of like thick cedars, um, some nasty stuff that they like to bed in. And I just looked up and I seen like a little flash of a brown. I, I knew it was a deer coming in. It was coming down the trail. The one that I had been seeing all the deer come out on. And so I, I like slowly grabbed the camera and turned the camera on. And I'm like looking down to my right, just like adjusting the camera. And I hadn't even picked up my bow yet, you know, because I didn't even know what the deer was. And within like 10 seconds, he had he went from being like 75 yards to, I don't know, like pretty much right in my lap, just about ready to step out into the field. And at this point, I looked up, had, just had gotten the camera on him, and I seen which bucket was. And I, I immediately recognized them right away because I had just gotten him on camera, like I think two days before that. And I, I recognize him because of the little split he had off of the G2. And at this point, the, the deer's already standing probably 25 yards in front of me, about ready to step out to the little gas line there. And I didn't even have my bow picked up yet. And unfortunately, the trees aren't the thickest down here. So you don't have a lot of cover when you're up there. Um, so I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get away with much movement. So he came to the edge of the gas line. And of course, like, a smart buck would do he s sat there for a minute before he you know was going to show himself and he he tried to win me see if anything was out there and he, see if he could smell any danger and the wind was just blowing off to his left so to where it was like pretty much perfect for me and but if anything would have been out to my right in that field he would have been able to smell it from that point so i definitely just just watching him do that made me realize like wow like these deer, like this deer, smart. You know, he knows what he's doing. He's not just walking out there. You know, you know, throwing caution or throwing caution to the wind. You know, just you know, walking out there like a doe would, not you know, taking his time and stuff. So he stopped there for probably a good minute or so, and I could see him sniffing the air and stuff a little bit, like just set checking, making sure there was no danger out there. So at this point, I just had the camera on him, but I was froze because I wasn't able to pick up my bow yet. So he finally entered the field and started to hook to my left a little bit. And that's when I slowly was able to grab my bow. And at this the whole time, I'm staring the deer in the face. And he's just walking to my left. He's already at like 25 yards. And I'm just like, wow, dude, I don't even have my bow yet. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to pull this off. This deer's already closing in on 20 yards. And I don't even have my bow in my hand. So thankfully, you know, he had his head the other way. And I was able to get my bow up get my release on got the camera on them and everything which you know is self-filming is not always the easiest thing to do uh got the bow on him he stopped at 25 yards and put my pin to 25 drew back and made one of the best shots i've ever made on a on a buck like that and he was slightly cornered away a little bit uh so i put it just back just a tad bit and went in double lunged him and he ran in there and i heard him crash within about 50 yards yeah and then i think i think i called you right away and i was freaking out like, dude i just shot i didn't even have a name for him at that point but i was like dude i just shot like a 150 easily oh yeah and i, I didn't think you believed me at first i can't remember how the, the video was i don't know if you called me first or whoever it was but um 
yeah the the footage is really good it's on the youtube channel you, that was that was some of the best footage we've we've ever got you self-filmed it you know you didn't have a second angle gopro or anything going but just the footage of him coming in and you can just see your you grab your bow and draw back and then your excitement after but i mean you made yeah that was a a super super good shot basically right where you want it and uh he he runs out of there like as quick as you can it like storms out of there and uh goes back and crashes in that you can actually hear it on the on the footage too he crashes in the the cedar thicket back in there and the rest is history but definitely one of my I'll obviously remember that for the rest of my life. That was, and, and it's just cool. We've never really grown up. We've never really hunted them over like fields or like really gas lines like that. We've always hunted them like in the hardwood timber. Yeah, it was really cool to be able to shoot a deer out in the open like that, especially especially a buck like that. Oh yeah, um, just to have I, the was, footage was, of him coming out with his yep. with his frame and coming out in that yep. opening like that is is sweet. But um, yeah, you could see your your nocturnal light right up and and go right through them and um yeah explain what broadheads you were using you ended up uh trying to figure out what you wanted to use you know we we kind of sw- switched away from mechanicals and i even had a fixed blade on this year and if anybody knows me you know that's a that's a pretty hard task to uh to get me to change but uh, my buddy joel sold you some magnus broadheads and then he ended up getting me into some some Ramcat Ramcat broadheads, which I don't know if I'll switch switch back at all because I had really good luck with those. But um, that transition switching from you know mechanical to to what you shot now, like I don't know if you'll switch yeah. either. Yeah, I'll probably end up running those even back home. There's just a lot of like thick. Um, it's like brush country mainly around here, so you're having to shoot through a lot of different brush and stuff and the, the mechanicals just weren't working for me. So I switched it up to some fixed blades and I ended up running those, uh, Magnus. I think they're called Sir razors or something like that. I can't yep. even remember, but they, they, they cut, they cut like crazy and he only ran like 50 yards and he was done. So I was, I was really happy with those. So I'll probably run those even when I get back to Pennsylvania. Yeah, people are starting to figure out like it's not all about you know blood trails now, and and the blood trail you said wasn't the greatest, but he crashed, and that's the thing, you know. I never had a, I never yeah. had a, I never had a big buck. I've had does, but I've never had a big buck crash within fifty yards with mechanical, and both of our bucks, you know, expired within fifty yards. The one I shot obviously was a is a heart shot, and I'll get into my story, but you know, mine ran under fifty yards and actually had really good blood and i remember you were pretty um you know surprised with the 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 hole that it put in my deer as well but um, oh yeah you know either way like we're we're shooting heavy arrows and fast bows like you got that new bow this year well last year but you know this is really the first full year you used it and uh yeah matthew's triax yeah i was really happy with that this year yep and the the triax and the uh fixed blade combo I was really yeah, we, happy with, so there's no reason for me to switch back. Right. Yeah, I, I get the hype behind the rage and everything, you know. Some of them do leave 
nice blood trails and it is cool to see that kind of blood but and also the deer after i shot him he was running so fast that it wouldn't have really mattered if it was a range anyways he was flying uh, through that that cedar those that cedar thicket so but but he was dead within i heard him crash within 10 seconds and he was dead so right i mean you can't ask for much more than that well with the shot you put on him i don't think it would have mattered if you had a mechanical or a fixed or not because the shot you had was you know pretty much right where you want it and quartered away a little bit so you you got full pass through and you know he crashed real real quick so and then you know we both shoot the the eastern axis arrows which are you know really dependable heavy arrows as well so yeah definitely recommend those if you're looking for a new arrow the eastern axis which are, is a pretty popular arrow to right. begin with but yeah i ran those the last this just actually this last year and i was happy with it right now so we talked about your new bow and your new arrows and uh broadheads and stuff i know you got what else did you get that was new for your gear i know you got a new tree stand which will come in come into you know the story of of my buck but um did you get anything i, I don't know i can't remember if you got any other new gear like clothes yeah, or so anything I got the, which came in handy particularly during that hunt that we just talked about was the uh the lone wolf custom gear the pocket arm Oh, that's right. Um, I remember you did get the pocket arm, yeah, for filming. Which was amazing because I was used to carrying that big, muddy uh, camera arm around, which weighed about 10 pounds, and would I'd have to lug around a big backpack. So that pocket arm changed the game for me. Like, I, you can fit that thing in your back pocket, and it's as sturdy as ever. Yeah, no, it actually... No, no big ratchet strap on there. It's just like one of those little... Um, I don't even know what you call straps. Those, yeah, those pull straps they they get real tight, and that thing was solid as ever. So, yeah, and it actually in the market for a new camera arm that that uh, lone wolf pocket arm was, was that thing's sweet. Yeah, it's expensive, but in the long run, it it pays off because you actually want to film. You don't want to like carrying the old, and you know it's nothing because I actually still use the the muddy arm during rifle because it's just a little bit more sturdy for longer shots and stuff. But for bow hunting, when you're wanting to pack in light and you're hanging hunt and things like that, like you can literally put that thing in the, in your back pocket and carry it in. But, uh, it comes in handy because it actually makes you want to film because you're not lugging around a bunch of extra equipment and you know, it, it's real quick. You get it on the tree, get it real tight, screw it in, get it level and you're good to go. You know, it might it might yeah. take thirty seconds to do that, rather than that big, big other arm that has a ratchet strap. It's loud, it's heavy, so yeah. That 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 really, you know, it is frustrating sometimes carrying in all that heavy camera equipment. It makes you not even want to do it sometimes. But that that saved several pounds, and it's just like it can fit in in your back pocket. It can fit in your little backpack, and then it really. I I was actually carrying it in my I have a camera bag. It fits right in there, so it was saving me a lot of room right. and a lot of headaches. So, Yeah, we're always, uh, you know, fine-tuning our gear and our setups every single year, but it seems like, you know, um, we always find something a little bit better. You might have to pay a little bit, but, yeah, that was definitely a big thing on my list too was using that arm, and I used it 
I used it last year a little bit too, but I kind of talked you into it. I know you complained about the price, but in the long run, it, it worked out for you. And uh, it's just makes life yeah, a lot I mean, easier. You get what you pay for and something like that with a camera arm. It's definitely well worth it. And then you got that Novix Hilo tree stand, which, you know, is going to come into, um, it, it'll, it'll pay off, you know, it may, it might not have paid off for you, but it paid off for me down there, but it'll pay off when you come back to PA and we're, you know, you're, we're doing some mobile hunting in the big woods and things like that. You can carry that thing in. It's light, it's compact and, you know, it even, even just hanging the stand in general, like it. Those big, yeah. bulky, heavy stands are just even hard to hang, making so much noise. You're like, you're sweating trying to get the thing, you know, strapped around the tree. That that thing is so light, you can hold it up with one hand and strap it with the other, no problem. Right. Um. Okay, so I want to talk about two more things before we get into my story uh, and my trip down there. But so the two things. Um, is basically what did what what do you think led you to killing that buck and then the things you learned throughout the bow season because we always you know we're always learning things and taking things into into account for next year and things but what do you think led you into killing that buck and then you know after that hunt and then after you know the whole season with Lexi killing her buck and my buck what did you learn so I one of the I think the key factors in the killing a, a buck like that is you know waiting waiting for the right time I, I didn't like I had a couple other bucks that I was in there after but I wasn't I wasn't in there pressuring them on the wrong wind um, I know like sometimes you get eager like to get in there like oh it's you know I'm just you know I have off work today I really just want to get in there and hunt them see if I can kill them you know but, but it's the wrong wind I think a lot of people go wrong there because you know you may not even know if you go in there and spook him because he winded you before he was, you know before he even came into sight but I, I waited for the right wind i knew like i said that night i knew there was going to be an east northeast wind which was perfect for that spot and and just perfect for this area in general i've noticed a lot of activity on those whenever we get those kind of winds so so patience was definitely um a big role in that um just just being smart with it um which i really i think helped me kill that that buck yeah and then what was your next question ask it again well you kind of answered both but it was uh what led you to basically what led you up to kill that buck and then what did you learn so you can see i guess you i guess you answered the one you know where it kind of led you up to killing that buck and the steps you took, but also you learn after this bow season because you know we learn things every year and we get better at our trade. But what did you learn this year through throughout hunting down there? I think not even just this year that I learned, but over, over the last like two years where I was really like hunting really hard down here because the first couple of years I struggled to find properties to even hunt on. Uh, but over the last couple of years, like I really really learned how to play the wind and it's really helped me like tremendously like like more growing up you know we kind of just hunted when we wanted to and just hunted because you know 
we thought, you know, we can get lucky or whatever, but I really like taken a step back and like really like studied how they, you know, react to the wind and how they, you know, different movements on, you know, on different wind directions and stuff like that. Um, I've learned that over the last couple of years and it's really paid off for me. Um, so that's, that's something I can carry, you know, into really for the rest of my life, but into moving into Pennsylvania. Cause before, you know, I, we, we, we didn't, we didn't worry about the wind too much. We kind of just went out there and sat where we thought, you know, was a good spot. That was more when we were growing up. So learning that once you can kind of get that, you know, down that I think your chances of success are, are a lot better in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, you know, just over the last couple of years, as we've progressed, um, you know, we don't worry about things that a lot of other people worry about, like gimmicks and things like that. Like, I don't spray down anymore. You know, we don't spray down. We just watch the wind. You know, we don't exactly. worry. We don't worry about the little things. Um, you know, I know you talked about, and I, I talked to you about this. Um, te- Texas is a little bit different because it doesn't get as wet down there and doesn't get as cold. But you wore nothing but, you know tie up boots down there you didn't wear rubber boots down there which is a big thing you know i'm going to get into and i've got gotten in more of it over the last year or so having tie up boots lace tie up boots um that go you know kind of right above your ankles but there's a lot of places that i hunt here in pa that are swamps and wet i kind of have to have rubber boots on to cross creeks or whatever but i know down there you know um your gear is a lot different you're your outerwear, you know, your coats and your boots and things like that. But I think, right. it, I mean, a lot of the times you, you're, you're wearing a short sleeve t-shirt right uh, up in the stand because it's, you know, too dang hot the whole month of October and even sometimes into November. But I, I don't fall for any of those like scent lock, you know, stuff this or the sent away sprays or dead down wind and stuff you know we used cool, to but know, they might they might they might help and stuff but in my opinion you know as long as you're playing the wind right there's really no way you know he can smell you if he's unless he comes from that direction you know right and, and, and if I, I think if the if the buck comes from downwind even if you're using enough the chances of him not smelling you are well, he's... very slim it's, I've like heard I've, it from. I've had very few occasions where a mature deer has came from downwind and, and they didn't smell me or didn't, you know, have any idea I was in the area. It happens very rarely. I've heard it from a lot of people, really good, you know, hunters and whatnot. Um, you just can't beat a deer's nose. It's just impossible. As much as you say, you know, I sprayed down, I have ozonics and this and that, it's just impossible. Um, it really yeah. is. So you just got to play the wind. It helps slightly, but I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's how they stay alive. They don't. Right. I know you really got that. you got into the scents this year, like the um, scrapes and things like that. Um, oh, mock yes, scrapes. I I... Yeah, you were tearing those up this year, putting cameras on them and using yeah, scents so with that I, though. I I ran. Um, I believe I'm saying it right. I think it's it's Kissels or Kishels, um scents. They're from uh, like upstate New York area. Um, you have to check them out. They're they're awesome. I ran his. It's like a three pack of the uh, 
mock scrape kit. It was like the interdigital, the preorbital, and the metatarsal gland. Um, they come in like a three or four ounce bottle, all three of them. And I was running those from like pretty much October all the way through um, the end of season here into January. And once I, I noticed, once I started spraying those on some mock scrapes, they, they like actually was just sitting there the other day to grab my last stand and they're still tearing that scrape up. Like those things, the, that uh, Kishwells was, you know, he's got, he's got it going on there. They were, they were really cool to, to be able to see that. I would spray the uh, preorbital on the licking branch above and then the tarsal and the interdigital on the actual scrape itself. And they would tear that thing up. I had hundreds and hundreds of pictures this year on my cameras of bucks hitting those scrapes. And like, I think there was one, there was like a week I sent you, like, I swear there was like a dozen, there was at least a dozen different bucks that were hitting that scrape. This was like right before you came down here. It was starting to heat up a little bit. And I would go in there every, you know, every couple of days or every, you know, every time I would hunt that and just spray a little bit down in there. And by the next day, they were in there just tearing it up. Yeah, I so got it's definitely something I'm going to keep in my arsenal, you know, for years to come that that really worked this year. Yeah, I used sense this year, too, and it, it definitely worked for the mock scrapes and things like that. Um, So, yeah. Uh, we're going to get, let's get into my story here about my trip leading or going down there and leading up to the story and things like that. But so basically, you know, we, we knew it was your last year in Texas for, you know, for you living down there at least. So I know I had to, I knew I had to come down take some vacation and, uh, you know, I got, I got that new, got that new job in the summer, but I know I had a couple days of vacation to get down there. Um, I can't remember if I came down on a, did I come down on a Wednesday or Thursday? Can't remember. Um, I think it was a Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah. You came down like a Wednesday evening and we were going to be able to have pretty much three, four days to hunt. Cause then you left Sunday morning. So we, we, I think we got the chance to hunt Wednesday evening, but then we had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all day to hunt. Yeah. So that, that ended up working out perfect. That or I left Monday. I can't remember. But, um, you know, so I, I bought my ticket in advance and uh, planned the whole trip out down there. Uh, and, of course, you know, leading up to it, we you were always checking the weather. And, of course, I go down there again just like last bow season. I went down this time. It was before, uh, it was before Christmas, right? Yeah, it was like uh, the second week in December, which down here would have been perfect because they usually rut about that time the first or second week in december it's It's always like it's a month behind behind yeah right so because last year i went um late december right after christmas into uh into january and that's when i shot that buck last year but anyway of course you know we're we're checking weather and things like that and you kept telling me dude it's gonna be hot when you're down here like of course so i get down there and it's it's hot you know it's probably what in the in the high 70s or whatever it was i think it was even into the 80s some of the days and probably leading up to it 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 was like in the high of like you know 50s and stuff which really had the deer up and moving in like even into the 30s at night and stuff which for down here is pretty cold which it really you know gets things heating up down here in terms of the rut 
But yeah, of course, the week you get here, it's calling for, like, I think the lows were only in, like, the 60s or something like that. 50s, because I think that's when, in the mornings, it was, like, in the 50s. But, of course, the week before, it was, like, prime. It was, like, in the 40s or whatever. Yeah. 50s, high high 40s, low 50s. But, um, so, yeah, you know, I get down there. Lexi picked me up because you were working. And, uh, you know, our plan was she was going to pick me up. We were going to run to uh academy get me a license and then grab a bite to eat and basically you were going to get home we were going to get out there so that's what we did um got out there and set a stand up and uh, i told you when i initially got there like we pulled in and i it's in the video too because you know we filmed the whole thing it's it's on the youtube channel as well pretty good video and i i did I knew it. Like I told you, I think we're going to kill a buck in the morning and you know, you agreed because that was when it was going to be colder. And that's what, when you were, your cameras were lighting up a little bit more. And, uh, I don't know if it was the, that first morning, the day after, or if it was, I can't remember when it was, but you had that absolute giant on camera at like four fifty in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had, um, had this, ridiculous buck I, I don't even know what to call him or what uh, I wouldn't put even put a score on him but definitely no doubt in my mind the biggest buck I've ever gotten on camera in my life. oh yeah by far like like, I, like we're, I'm talking like pushing 170 dude like this thing was huge I think I ended up naming him splits or something like that because he just had splits coming oh, up just, everywhere he was super non-typical and, and for those of you think in Texas, oh, yeah, you know, you guys have high fences and all that. No, this is free range, just like it is back home. We're not hunting on high fences. We don't have that that luxury of doing stuff like that. So this is free range, no fences, nothing like that. Oh, it's just, just free range permission deer. property, like you said earlier. Exactly. Like, just like it is back home, like you'd go knock on someone's door. Yep, but so... I had that buck on camera. I remember... So, so we, we, we hunted that evening, right? And then the first evening, didn't, didn't see much. Maybe just a few doe. We saw like three warm. doe out in the distance, I remember that night. Yeah, and then we go to bed, and I like, my alarm goes off in the morning to wake up. And I immediately check, I, you know, I had an alert from the Maltrade Mobile. And I'm like, okay, I, the first thing I did, I checked it. First picture that popped up is was splits. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And, and they had just sent me the picture. So this was probably like, I don't know, maybe he was there like 5 a.m. We missed him by like maybe an hour. He came by about an hour before it got light. Yep. And we, I woke up and came downstairs and was like, dude, like, look who's on the camera right now. Yep. <laughs> of course, you know, our, our luck. But yeah, it, it, it was just that week was so warm. The deer were just moving, you know, when <laughs> when it was cooler out. As soon as the sun would come up, they, they went right back to bed pretty much. I mean, we had a little um, time in the morning maybe to catch some of them, which, you know, ended up happening with the deer that you shot. Right. Yeah, we, you know, we hunted that morning. I don't know. If, I don't even know if we saw much that morning. We might have saw that little small buck from the right that morning. Remember that him coming yeah, through that, that jump the fence and then he came, came down the creek? Yeah, across the creek right there. It was slow, you know, like... Oh, yeah. It was just like a, it was like a humid, like warm morning, just, just a morning that you don't, you know, you, you wouldn't expect to see much. 
right. and that's exactly what happened. Yep. And then uh, we, you know, we bounced around a little bit. Um, I know we went down and, and hung a stand in a different spot. We were like both sweating because it was so hot. We hunted yeah. that. We hunted that. I th- actually, I think we hunted that that night. Didn't I don't even know if we saw anything. And then we hunted that again in the morning. I can't remember what it was unless we hunted the spot where I shot mine in the morning. But um, so you know the morning the morning of me shooting my buck. You know we it, like two days in a row, super slow. You know, not, you know, you're getting pictures on your camera, but it's, you know, in the, you know, in the nighttime and right after dark or whatever. And I just kept having faith. I'm like, I'm going to kill one. If it's going to, if it's going to happen, I'm going to kill one in the morning. So my last morning there, um, I was like, you know, barely trying to wake up. Like I woke up and I probably hit my alarm too. And I'm laying there like, this is, is this even worth it? But you know, we got motivated, got up, and it took you a while to get up, I remember. But it's like, you know, we got out there, um, got everything set up, and obviously I'll never forget it. But, you know, we, we get everything set up, and I remember just kind of just, like I said in the video, looking off in the distance, just kind of reminiscing and praying, like, oh, this is the last morning I got, you know. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I remember you kind of zipping up your bag and, then all of a sudden I look over and I just, again, like you said, when you saw your, your bucket, you saw like a little flash of something and it was still like pretty dark out that morning. And, yeah, uh, I think. you know, we barely had camera light, like luck, like if that buck came in five minutes before that, we wouldn't have had camera light. That's how dark it right. was. And, uh, and I, I turned around and I, I, I don't know if I remember, I, yeah, I do remember it was, I, I looked. I, like I stood up, grabbed my bow, and I looked, and I knew it was a buck, and it was like a, a pretty good buck. And I just turned around, and you were like, I don't even know if you saw the deer yet. And I'm like, dude, deer, deer, deer. And then you're just like, 25, kill it, because you knew it was a, like it, dude. And the thing about it is, like, if that buck was cruising and he came through, we wouldn't have killed him because oh I wouldn't have, no I wouldn't way. have had time to stop him. Like you wouldn't have had time to get the camera on him. So. You know, by by God's grace, he stopped right where that scrape was, right in the opening. Like if he was two yards, you know, back towards the east more, we wouldn't have killed him. If he was, you know, ten yards to the west more, he would have been behind brush. But he's, you know, by I, again by God's grace, he's he stopped in that opening, and uh, you know, you got the camera on him, zoomed in, kill him, and uh, drew back. And I again, I like you said early in your story. Um, you made a really good shot, but I made probably the best shot I've I've made on a white tail, and one of the best at least. And uh, heart shot him right through his heart, and he he ran off. And I knew I heard him crash, but right after you were like, "Was that a good shot?" Because we we actually thought it was low, but after watching the footage, like it hits him and it kind of deflects down, but it definitely was low. But after gutting him out and everything, it was right through his heart, all three. All three. I mean, I don't even think it was low. It was just the angle from being in the stand and everything. I think it was honestly just like a pretty much a perfect shot. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it, it looks low. Anytime you hit a deer like like right through the heart like that, it almost like, 
you almost think it looks a little low because you, you you know people used to being up in the lungs and like oh double lunged them you know right but no like that was a straight right through the heart no not even you know it wasn't up around the middle midsection of the lungs it was straight through the heart and that was it oh yeah yeah and, it was, uh, you it know was the coolest thing ever to to film like over your shoulder like that because that the way we had the stands hung i was just right above you yeah literally right above your shoulder i was filming i i remember just looking up i hadn't seen the deer coming in i was like just zipping up my bag and then you said buck 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 yep. turn on the camera hit recording and, and i just looked up and he was he was already standing right there broadside and like what, 25 yards yeah it's just awesome that you we had everything ready obviously and, and like i talked about the time if it was too early we wouldn't have had him on camera but you know, it just it worked oh, if it out. Would have been thirty seconds earlier. I, I wouldn't have been ready. We would have oh yeah, just I'm... gotten set up. Like I, I just zipped my bag and had just yeah, like, pretty much had my camera hooked on the tree arm. I think I was only sitting all. there just reminiscing and looking out in the distance for maybe two minutes because I it's easier just to climb up, knock an arrow, and sit down. You had to get everything up because you came in. You know, you got up and you're setting your camera stuff up. And it's not that it takes that much longer, but for me, it's just pulling my bow up and hanging it up and knocking an arrow. So I sat down. Right. And I, you know, I don't even think we were sitting for two minutes. And you just got done setting everything up, zipping your bag up. And he come in and that was that. And, and again, we had perfect wind that morning. And that's why we were debating on where to go. But I told you, like, if we set that stand enough, you know, because we set that that Novix up a couple days before that. And then we had, you know, one of the cheaper stands is what you were sitting in behind that Hawk stand. But they, you know, we had a, we had a bulletproof setup and that was the, really the only shot we had. But I knew if we sat that stand long enough, there's a big scrape there that you made. And then, but they just funnel right through there between the Crick and between, you know, that the other property line, they, they come right down that old fence line right there. Yeah. And it almost like funnels them right down, like almost in like a little like V shape, like yep. along the creek, and then the the fence line coming down the other side. It was perfect, um, and I had so much inventory on that camera from like just the past like month. Like every day there was a buck hitting that scrape. So like like you had said, if we sit there enough, you know, we were bound to at least see a good buck. You know, obviously, as long as we're not being too you know careless you know hunting out on the wrong winds and stuff like that and throwing too much scent around in there but i knew you were only there for three days so yeah it, it was perfect it, and I'm, it's it's not like you know we were also smart with our access too because all we had to do was just cross a creek walk about four yards to the to the tree which was an awesome tree we had i think it was another live oak wasn't it yeah, it's five oaks are my favorite around yep. here. That's really they offer the most cover and well, and they're and, they're know, just the, the biggest to get a tree in. They're just the biggest trees. In. Yeah, they're the biggest ones right. around there, and it was you know four or five yards from the creek. You get up in there and you're set. We weren't messing yep. around. We weren't going right in the middle of the property checking cameras right. and doing right. things. So you know we we, just, we were smart about until, it. Well, yep. we didn't we didn't ch touch it because it was a cell cam, but also we didn't go. You know, we didn't need to go doctor up the scrape and go do this and go oh, do that. It was, already, just... it was naturally right um, already hot because of all the deer that were hitting it, you know, consistently. Like, that's, I think, is the key 
Well, number one, obviously, having a cell cam, you don't got to go check it, you know, and throw your scent around or wherever, especially if it's over a scrape like that, and you're hunting over that scrape. Like, just think about it. You're walking over there every time, you know, you're hunting. Yeah. You're pretty much walking right past that scrape, and that's exactly where the deer are going to. So I had left that cell cam alone. And then also, going along with that, we had, like, bulletproof access, like you said. We came in, crossed the creek, and walked right up the rocks, which, you know, rocks don't hold set very well. Not like the, not, not like a field does. Right. So exactly, it, it, was, it just worked out perfect in that spot. So any time you can find, you know, a tree with access like that, where you can walk up a creek bed, that's, you know, that's as good as it gets, in my opinion. Right. And that's just, again, that property lays out so perfect. And we had that stand. And, and like I said before, I told you, you know, when I first got there and we set that stand up, I'm like, if we set here enough, especially if you're telling me like, you know, they rut around here around this time when I come down, we're bound to see one. And we did, you know, we had a, a couple good hunts in that stand because I think that was our third sit in that stand when we killed him. Yep. You know, we were yeah. seeing deer. We saw a couple of small bucks, nothing big, but it was just, it was bound to happen. Yep. So, and it, it ended up happening my last morning. So, you know, obviously after the shot, you know, we, we celebrate, you know, we're freaking out and, you know, we give it some time, we climb down and I'm, I'm, st we still don't know, which it's always hard to not see the deer visually fall. But if you hear a crash, you know, that, that's a pretty good sign. He crashed where, right. you know, that initial spot. So we get down and I was already able to see him when I, when I climbed down, I was able to see his his white belly but we climbed down and i think we walked like 20 yards and i'm like there he is dude he, he crashed right where i thought he did so yeah got up on him and the arrow was just well the arrow blew through him so we got up on the arrow it was completely you know filled with blood and dark and red got up on him and you know he was just tangled up in all that thick briar stuff got yeah. him out there took some pictures and that was that, but I'm super impressed with those broadheads, though those Ramcats, those Hydroshock. That that put a really good hole in them, and again, Healy ran 45, 50 yards and piled up. So, obviously, if you hit him there with any any broadhead though in the heart, they're not they ain't gonna run far. But, right, exactly. Um, you know, an awesome story, and, and I think the things I learned, you know, we'll we'll go to that. Um, is just like you said, be patient. You know, we were patient and we were smart with our setups. We did get lazy. I remember that second or third day kind of going over to that one stand and hunting when it was kind of hot out and sitting there waiting and, you know, wasn't that confident. But I was so confident in our setup where we initially killed him. It was just like, because yeah. I remember we debated on even hunting there that morning. We're like, where do we go? And we're just like, we might as well just go back to that spot. Because I kept telling myself if we sit there enough we're gonna we're gonna see a good one and we did but you know i definitely learned to just how like how many pictures i was getting on that camera that's what really like right made me feel confident about it but yeah the, the the things that i learned you know was obviously just be patient you know the wind and whatnot but just don't go into you know those areas if you don't have to like we stayed out of that main spot we stayed out of the bedding which we didn't need to go into and we just sat and we waited it would be a different story if it was early season and whatnot but you know when it's rut like that 
but you have warm weather, the deer have to move at some point. So, you know, and it, I think it rained. I don't know if it rained that night or. Yeah, I want to say it rained a little bit that night. I think it did. Um, and then it was, it was still kind of foggy and it was, it, it almost like, like held the darkness a little longer. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why we were able to catch him, you know, like five minutes into shooting light and he was, you know, we'll never know, but he was probably heading back to his bed. Yep. Um, after being up all, all night, cause it was a little cooler during the night. Then when the sun comes up, it starts warming up and I think they, they go in bed back down. Yep, exactly. But yeah, two, two memorable hunts that both of us will remember forever. That's, that's why we do it though. That's why. You know, we're so ate up with it because, you know, it's just memories you'll, that'll carry with you forever, you know, just, right. it's just and cool to have you. Can you get, what else can you get an adrenaline rush like that? You right. Know? That's, hey, that's, what it, that's what does it for me. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's, it's my new drug. You know, I've really got into yep. the hunting thing the last, you know, three, four five years and it's, it's my new drug. That's for sure. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's cool to have your brother right over your shoulder filming and just experience that. I don't think the footage could have got really any better, you know, like that. So it was just really neat. But yeah, man, we're yeah. we're getting a little past an hour here. I've been waking up at five to get to the gym after wrestling's been over and it's already past 10 o'clock here. So is there anything else you'd want to talk about? You know, the last thing I have here is, you know, we got turkey season coming up. You're gonna be coming home like next week, and you know a couple weeks after that we'll be we'll be slamming some birds. So um, I haven't been out scouting for birds yet, but it it just doesn't even get light till after I get to work anyway. It doesn't even get light till like seven thirty. So maybe another week or so, but right, and you still got another month, you know. To oh yeah, do some scouting. Right now is it. right now is the time to get out, but I also been trying to get into the woods and do my postseason scouting for for deer as well because wrestling takes so much so much of my time and i can't really do it my favorite times to scout are you know january february early march time and i can't do it because you know i'm gone doing wrestling all the time so um i'm kind of doing that now last weekend i was out scouting and and whatnot but um yeah we're just excited for you to come home man it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun Canaan, yep. my son will Keep be ready to. Home at a good time too. Just, oh, just perfect time. Turkey. Before you know, Canaan will be out there with us. But yeah, I'm excited to get out turkey hunting with you and slam some slam some gobber, gobblers. That's for sure. We're gonna hunt the big woods a little bit. Might even go up to the camp and go out there with some guys. But definitely gonna hit the big woods up and get up to the ANF and hunt some birds up there. I'm I'm sure I'll have some vacation saved up to use and whatnot so definitely yeah, excited about I'm that i'm looking forward to that for sure you know you know i get pumped up for turkey season you know that's oh yeah that's definitely my favorite time of year so i'm definitely. really looking forward to that coming back home and being closer to you know my roots and family and everything and i got a buddy nick uh my buddy down here nick's coming up to pennsylvania and uh, for turkey season this year so we're gonna have to take him out and show them the ways oh yeah we'll show uh, them the ways of, of uh, opportunities down here you know unless you got 
a lot right. of property and stuff. So we'll show them the ways. We'll show them these mountain birds and how how uh, hard they are to hunt, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they don't sure. they it's don't gobble they don't gobble five hundred times like a Rio does down in Texas. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. Definitely, definitely some fun birds to hunt down here though. If oh, you yeah. have the property. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, if that's it, we'll close it out. Um, that was a pretty good episode. I, I, you know, it's always fun to talk about, you know, some stories. Success stories. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. All right, man. All right, guys. Well, that was a pretty fun episode to record with my brother and and talk about our success stories down in Texas. But uh, yeah, Texas is uh, it's gonna be like a second home to me. I love that place, and it's gonna hold uh, a pretty special little piece of my heart. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time down in Texas in the military training, and that's where my basic training was. And then to have your brother be stationed down there and able to go down there and archery hunt with him, and you know, two years of archery hunting down there, killing two big bucks is is pretty awesome. And you know, it's a huge blessing to go down there and do that. And you know, we'll definitely be back. Um, I was even able to go out during spring gobbler and didn't end up killing a, a bird down there, but was able to go down and hunt some Rios in the spring. That was pretty fun, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be back. We got some buddies down there. We can go down there and stay and definitely looking forward to that. But so yeah, the verse, uh, Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. Really what that means is just, uh, you know, put God first in all you do, absolutely everything you do, and, uh, you know, everything else will just come into a line, and, and that's what I found myself doing, you know, sometimes I get out of place with life and work and family and hunting and stuff like that, I, you know, I always have to try to find my place back and put God first, and, you know, I did that, and I think that's why I was successful um, going down to Texas again this year and, and killing that good buck so definitely fun time down there you know like i said a couple times we'll definitely be back um and uh you know that's that's going to be memories that me and my brother can share forever especially you know it's pretty cool footage of him filming that hunt right over my shoulder and me making a perfect shot on that buck it's something that we'll remember for you know probably the rest of our lives so but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed it i'm uh pretty excited for the next couple episodes, podcast episodes we got, I got some guys in line and, you know, I'm definitely going to be pumping more out. I got more time now that wrestling's over and stuff like that. And I got a, I got a job that I can be flexible with and whatnot. So, but yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, you know, check out the, check out our YouTube channel. If you guys haven't yet, we got a lot of videos on there. This hunts on there. Collins hunts on there. Um, and, uh, Again, I, I just appreciate you guys supporting us and uh, giving it a listen. So, yep, work for it is our motto. And uh, may God bless your hunt. The spirit of the woods is like an old good friend. Makes me feel warm and good inside. And I knew his name. And it was good to see him again Cause in the wind he's still alive Oh, Fred Bear, walk with me Down the trails again Take me back
before too long. 